BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. It's here. Peloton's best offer of the season. Get up to $300 off accessories when you purchase a Peloton tread. Choose from accessories like a heart rate monitor, non-slip grip dumbbells, yoga blocks, and more. If you've been looking for a sign to join Peloton, this offer gives you everything you need to get going. Hurry, Peloton's best offer of the season is here, but not for long. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Limited time offer cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Recording is now in progress. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking it, politics. Don't want people to know. No, we we can't we can't have any anyone knowing how how many of us uh 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 don't fall into neat tidy tidy little boxes because God for God forbid if you don't fit in a box, damn it. We need everyone. To, <laughs> everyone must fit in a box so that way my I can look at at your box and and decide that I I hate your box because you're not in my in my box. Well, I'm just about to go to the bathroom. Please do not follow me and look at my box. <laughs> Why'd I start recording if you're going to go to the bathroom? Because we didn't know he was going to go to the bathroom. This is all Danny's fault. It is Danny's fault. God, freaking. That freaking <sighs> Danny. I, I was I was going to use a uh, 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 derogatory term for, for British people, but while he would enjoy the jo- joke, you and I would, would get it. There, there'll be someone out there that'll get upset. Someone yeah, probably. Somebody probably not British will get upset. <laughs> I don't even know what you would have what would you have said. To be perfectly honest, think about think about uh, like uh, uh, colloquial terms, like old older terms for Brits that you can use. That's not not like wanker. Tell, tell the older... joke. Tell the joke part. Oh, I'm not got my video on. Sorry, Tim. Oh, uh, I was just I was just gonna say that damn limey, but you know whatever. Uh, <laughs> That See? would have meant nothing to me. I have never heard of that before. You what? I'm not, I'm, apparently, I'm not watching enough Guy Ritchie. <laughs> <laughs> if if any if anyone out there got got upset at me saying saying uh, limey, if you're not British, shut up. Anyways, That's really right. quick we, before we, we get always... this, this actually takes me <laughs> on to another part. Really quick, did you, any of you ever watch Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment Twenty Three? No, I've heard of it. So it has one of my legit all favorite moments. So it stars James Vanderbeek, who plays a fictionalized version of himself, who's like a nice dick. And uh, he talked. There's this joke, and I I literally can't find it anywhere online. So I just recorded it from my (laughs) from my phone, just so that I can experience it whenever I so feel like it. Let me see if it's funny. Wow. It's it's such an underrated show. I'm really sad that it was actually uh, 
That had uh, uh, Chris, Kristen Ritter in it, right? That's correct, yes. Yep. It's, it's, you know, I, I, I say this as an anime fan that's constantly watching light novels get a, get adapted into uh, uh, mid-tier anime, but uh, some titles are too long, including Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment Whatever. <laughs> Apartment 23? There, there no! Go. Did I accidentally delete it? Oh, look at that. Oh, no! Failure. Failure. Oh, that can't be My right. My goodness, Jim. Why would I have ever gotten... Hold on a you second. You had one job. One job. One job. Well, you know be what? the keeper, way, keeper of the clip. Your thing is noted. <laughs> uh, I noted your, uh, your, your 90 minute max, Danny. That's no big deal, but I'm going to be fixing this issue regardless of what anyone has to say. Um, where the his photos here because i think when i connected i was getting i was cleaning up my phone and i ended up just getting rid of it in the process but i don't think i got rid of it i think i just uploaded it to a cloud somewhere somewhere here we go oh god damn it i hate when it updates and just like here's video let's see your videos are here mm. that was good what? what what did you just do off screen that suddenly made you appear on screen? It's just a uh <laughs> it's just a um I recognize uh, that from one my... of the boys episodes. Isn't that <laughs> one of the vibrators from boys? Yes, what did you, where did indeed. you have that? Indeed. <laughs> uh I switched out one of my uh uh cannabis carts to a sativa. For a sativa. little for a little energy and, and focus. It's actually called blue oh, focus. <laughs> I have I have no idea of these things. Where Carl, where were you in the US? Obviously no um I'm in Virginia. Like, Virginia? Mm-hmm. That why does that remind me of the um not thirty rock from the Mars not thirty rock from Mars. That was that uh John John Carter from Mars. That would have been a different one. Virginia, <laughs> yeah. where he, his name was Virginia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am that's, John Carter that's where from Virginia. Old old Dominion. I live very, very close to the first settlements. From the uh, uh, Brits here, very close. Are we still there? Do we still have a, a, a Union flag planted in the ground? Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> uh, there, there's actually a there's actually a few uh, British like oriented stores that that import things, and I I go there and get some chocolates every now and then because I have no problem admitting I have no problem admi- admitting that that uh, Europe uh, definitely has done chocolate better better than us. Although ours is not as bad as people. Think. Think it is there's just much much better out there but what was your question no no you're right i was just gonna say is that because of the history because of the oh, historical yeah. um yeah of where you are that that's yeah. why there's still a cause there it's not because it's necessarily full of i mean you, your yorktown where we made that bitch cornwallis surrender is uh that just bitch. just down the street <laughs> made that bitch surrender. yeah you had help from the french that's yes. true but do do, do you really do you understand on how close the French were to missing the blockade? They oh, really? they got yeah, they I I cannot remember uh each of the specifics, but there was some uh weather issues and some communication issues uh yep. because they came in much further south and it was like, "Hey, we've got this maneuver going on. We we need you up on the mid-Atlantic." And uh yep. they they almost did not make it. And uh uh just a little bit just a little bit would have changed a, a lot of things, but yeah. Well, so yeah. I fucked up and I can't 
find the video. So, oh my god, I'm gonna have to find the episode, re-record it, and then send it. That way, we can all enjoy. Uh, what's his name? And uh, James Vanderbeek's wonderful. Oh, there you go. British accent. And and here we you are. Enjoy now. Here, you here. Out now, Gemma. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Here, here we are. Six and a half min- minutes in. And well, you're the one who started recording. We're just now. You're like, oh, Danny yeah, to go to the bathroom. You're, you're the, you, know, you know what? You know what? Your your intro video is running now. So introduce introduce the show, Jammer. Hurry up, go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to <laughs> Breaking Geek Radio, the podcast, the flagship and premier podcast of LRMonline.com, as well as the Genreverse Podcast Network. I am one of your hosts, Joseph Jamadina, here today with a smorgasbord of news to discuss. Uh, you know, everything from bad boys to more Marvel news to really bad Marvel news, kind of not really the best Marvel news, as well as a few different trailers for us to indulge in. And uh, so let's go ahead and get started. I'm here today with Danny Bartlett. Hi there, Danny. How are you doing? I'm very good. Thank you, my friend. I Whilst you're enjoying eating something, I am, as usual, enjoying a Jack Daniels with ice. So glad nice. to see things are fairly normal in Iowa world. You're eating and I'm drinking. Yeah, yeah, it's all, it's all, it's all good. It's all, and all quiet on the producing. Western front. We're all doing Kyle's exactly producing. what we're doing. It's like the old school, uh, the four kids opening of One Piece. No one else is going to get that, but it makes me yeah, happy. It's like, like Kyle's producing, Jammer's eating, Danny is Danny's drinking. Drunk. <laughs> drunk. He's drunk at this point. And speaking of which, I gotta open up my little brewski here and enjoy that. It's not the weekend until that happens. Well, happy weekend too. And to oh, the dear listeners, oh, watcher. Delicious. Oh yeah, it's so good. So let's go ahead and, and jump into the first news item today. And that has everything to do. It's kind of just like a small one, but I figured it, we did talk about this back when it happened gosh how long ago was this as far as will smith and his chris rock smack that was quite a while ago after that i believe we heard word that scripts the script that they were working on for bad boys Four. um i was gonna say bad boys for life that's the third one bad boys four actually uh was basically stopping however that doesn't sound like it is the case um according while speaking with ebony Mark Lawrence, wait, Mark Lawrence, right? Yeah, yeah, Martin Lawrence. I was like, Mark Lawrence, that's not right. Martin Lawrence, um, he said that, let's see here, we got one more at least. So it sounds like things are actually going to be potentially going forward. Of course, he is just an actor in this situation. Uh, he's not necessarily the man calling the shots. We don't necessarily know if what he said was actually pre-screened by any studio but um last time we heard before this it didn't sound like they're moving forward everyone was trying to distance himself from will smith and as our producer kyle noted this was back in march 27th so april may june so three and a half months you know it seems like it's been three and a half months that he's been in jail so to speak in actor jail actor slash hollywood jail and uh my question to you danny is do you think a, do you think the next Bad Boys will actually feature Will Smith? And B, oh, wow. if so, how long until we get that movie? That's that's it. I on my initial reaction to that question, Jammer, is I don't think Bad Boys Four will happen without Will Smith. 
Now, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean to say I think it's going to happen anytime soon, but I cannot, cannot see this, this franchise, for a better word, moving forwards without Will Smith. And there's no, no, it's not to say that Martin Lawrence isn't, isn't a star in his own right, but let's be honest, he's not exactly the bigger, the bigger of the two when it comes to box office draw or name recognition when it comes to the clout that he has. Now, speaking of clout, the, the Oscar night clout around the face of another, another, um, another person has not done this movie any favours, as well as Will Smith's career, obviously. So the second part of your question about, or I think it was when this next one will happen, etc., I don't know. I mean, it, the, the movie-making process is a long one. You, you know that better than others. So even if they green-lit it now, it would be at least a couple of years, maybe, before it came out. I, I can't see this happening. Bef- you know, I think we're going to see Stranger Things season five sooner than we're going to be having uh, trailers for Bad Boys 4. I, I, you know, I really can't see it. I think it all does depend on how quickly, obviously, the jail, as you quite rightly put it, the Hollywood jail that Will Smith is in at the moment, tends to maybe let him out on good behaviour, you know, when his bail is up, etc. And that's, that's a tough <laughs> one to sell. <laughs> it, that is really tough at the moment. Obviously, I'm not in that area, not in that industry. But, you know, on a, to answer a third question, which you didn't ask, personally, I'm not that fussed about seeing a fourth one. I don't remember liking number three that much. I think it was, you know, very much a meh film for me. It, it was an action film. It had some, some moments, but it's forgettable for me. So a fourth one, yes or no, whether Will Smith was in jail or not, Hollywood jail, that is, people. Um, I don't think I'll be that fussed about it anyway. But who knows? Who knows? But I can't see it happening anytime soon, my friend. Not at all. And without Will Smith, no chance at all. I really don't think so. Yeah, I, I think the earliest we would have seen it, if if there was no controversy, probably would have been 2024. Mm-hmm. Um, but with this... I agree. I don't think they're going to make it without Will Smith. Nope. Then again, didn't they have a TV show without them? Wasn't there like a TV show spinoff with okay. um, Gabrielle Union? Did that ever happen? Well, I don't know about that. Producer Carl's probably busy tapping away. Um, trying to look, the, trying to look it up. Yeah, LA's, uh, finest. LA's, LA's finest in uh, 20, 20, uh, 19 to 2020 final episode, so like a season oh, so it was a spinoff it existed no one watched it and it stopped um, <laughs> that was it there was the lifespan of that show <laughs> but i mean so they're not against having it without him but obviously it is more successful when it has will smith attached so yeah i agree i think in if i think it is going to happen i think it's going to be at least till 2025 or later yeah, if and i think i think yeah. everyone will have cooled down by then hopefully i'm sure there's a lot of there's a lot of people, a lot of comedians sort of freak, or at least at the time they were freaking out about it, you know, and there was also that there was another comedian that had like an issue. Who was it? There was another comedian that had someone come up on stage and was it Dave? No, it wasn't Dave Chappelle. Chappelle, Dave had, Chappelle? Chappelle had one as, as well. Yeah, that, that guy got uh, defended yeah. against. Defended against. Yeah, and when, um... Comedians felt a little exposed at that moment, but it doesn't seem like it's had any sort of long-term ramifications. Of course, we don't condone that whole situation here on uh, on the podcast, but at the end of the day, it was just a, it was a momentary lapse in judgment, a pretty long momentary lapse in ju- judgment. Uh, and I think people just get over it, whatever. Chris yeah. Rock, let it go, just let it go, who cares? But whatever. Any final yeah. thoughts about this, Danny? 
No, I'm going to ask you, uh, regardless of everything that we do, you, we just spoke about, how do you feel about a, a fourth movie? What were your opinions on number three? If, if you even never saw it, the I mean, third I, one, never saw the third I, one. Because the thing is, I thought the first one was fun. Didn't like the second one very much. I think I liked the second one only slightly because I was at the age where it's like, oh, action movie, cool. But that's about it. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to think did, of when I it did. came out a long time ago, like early 2000s, 2003 or 2002 ish. So I was like, you know, in high school. So it's just like you go to those movies because it's a cool movie to go to and you enjoy yeah. it um, for what it is. But nothing really beyond that. Not enough for me to care about a third one when it did come out. Yeah. But I heard good things about it. From what I've heard that you're in the minority who were just like, eh, I heard a lot of people say they enjoyed the third one. Yeah, and, I, and I, like I say, it's, I, I watched it on the big screen. I probably, you know, enjoyed the eye candy at the time with the explosions and stuff like that, I, but forgettable for me and the, the simple fact that I don't remember much about it. I mean, all I remember from the second one that I quite enjoyed, and you'll maybe this, you'll recall this too, is the what seemed to be a, a continual circular motion of the camera when they were having that shootout in that, in that house where it was going from one perspective to the other, going in and out of the bullet holes and things. And it seemed, it, obviously, the direction and the, the special effects, I want a better word, made it look like it was a continuous shot with the camera being continuously looping in and out. And I kind of liked that kind of style of stuff. But then there was also the the silly bits with the dead bodies falling out the back of the car. Does, it, do you, does that... That's what I remember so, most. Like, if it was said, yeah, there you go. think about Bad Boys 2. What do you remember? Dead bodies falling out of car. That's what I remember the most. Yeah. Yeah, and I can't even remember anything about number three except the burning building at the end. And even though, you know, someone might be able to correct me on that, but that's all I remember from number three. But anyway, yeah, so both of us, either way, one way or the other, might watch it. Going to wait three years before that happens, right? Yeah, it'll be a bit, it'll be a bit but I, I agree. I don't think it's going to happen without Willie Smith, without the big yep. Willie style, all in it, getting jiggy with it. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's move on to some Marvel news. Learning a little bit, a little bit some pieces about how things work in the MCU. I think it's funny as we we pave our way through the uh, the fourth phase. It's like a lot of the gloss of the previous three phases seem to be kind of slowly stripped away and removed, like a varnish against paint, so to speak. And uh, I think that's what it does. I don't know shit, so I kind of it sounded correct. But anyway, uh, there seems to be a lot less of a cohesive working style within the studio. Because I remember for years, remember that whole Star Wars thing? They need to have a plan, like Marvel, like the MCU. Yeah. They need to have a plan. <laughs> and more yeah, and more, it sounds like there. they didn't have a plan. It just seems like they got lucky or they were just smarter about the, how they work, even if they really weren't working together. But now we're seeing little bits and pieces of them not working together and not really having a plan. <laughs> We, we talked about some of it last week and the week before, but one thing I thought was really interesting is apparently Waititi and Hemsworth did not realize at the end of the movie, they would have the text that says Thor will return. So not convinced they didn't know that, not convinced they didn't know about that, but they, I know I, I have no reason to think they're lying, but I'm. Well, it sounds like I you do have I mean, a reason to think that he sounds like you no, don't buy just, it. I don't buy it just because, you know, especially from Chris Hemsworth's point of view, maybe, maybe Tyker, maybe, but you know, he's so deep rooted in, in that character and has been for many years. I can't, I can't imagine that the, the, the MCU moving forward without Thor at some point. So they must've had some sort of discussion about where, 
they think. I mean, you're assuming. I, I, I mean, I might might be wrong, obviously, but I just can't. Yeah. I just can't see that he hasn't been in talks to be in maybe not even another one of his own films, not a, a full film, but but at some point during you know whether it's a TV show or one of the movies, I just I just can't buy that. But with maybe what they're referring to is that there's no talk of yet of a movie of those two, like the fourth, uh, the third film, his trilogy, for sure we say, Tiger's trilogy with Chris Hemsworth. But I can't see Chris Hemsworth not knowing that he's going to be in another another film for MCU, Thor or not, as in a Thor film. That's a lot of theft from Thor and Thor. <laughs> well, I don't know. I just, I just can't see it. I, I, I can't see that they didn't have a clue. But I mean, I, I, that's fair. Uh, but the quote from YTD when speaking with Insider is, uh, well, guess what? That surprised me too. I'm not joking. I saw it in theater and I was like, oh shit, really? And even Chris was like, what? And then he wanted to say, but of course he'll be back. He's the best character. I mean, I may be a little biased, but he's the most fun to watch. So, I mean, according to him, he even said, I'm not joking, but he might be just pulling our legs because he seems like the type of guy who would. And actors and people have been known to lie, but in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, to what end, what possible benefit do they have in saying, I didn't know that was going to happen. I didn't know that was mm. a thing. Um, I just no, don't true. see a reason as for why. Um, and that just makes me think it's more true than anything else. Yeah, Unless YTD is just like poking and prodding because he just likes chaos and he likes to see the world burn. That could be one big reason as to, as to why he threw that out there. But I'm not sure if there would be an actual good and, and uh, plausible motivation at this point. So I just thought it was interesting. Nothing, nothing particular. I don't think the, the MCU is going down in flames. I don't think this is a huge deal, but it is interesting nonetheless. It is, it is yeah. very interesting. Yeah. So moving on from that and talking more about Love and Thunder, Thor Love and Thunder, and uh, there's been a lot of talk about the cutscenes from the film, specifically having to do with actors such as uh, Jeff Goldblum, um, Peter Dinklage, and Lena Headey, um, who all play you know, Grandmaster and the the, the the guy who makes Stormbreaker. I don't know the, his name. The dwarf. Yeah, the, the, giant dwarf. the giant dwarf. The giant dwarf who makes Dimitri or something like something. Like I don't that. remember his name. And I don't even know who Lena Headey was playing. Do you know who she? Do we know who she was playing at all? I don't know. I'll, I'll look it up. My guess would have been a god, given the context of the movie at this point, given what we know about it. Yeah. Like seeing her in a in a scene in that one area, that one place. Uh, but as we know, they were cut, and there's been a lot of uh, paint spilled on this topic, having to do with like, oh my gosh, like all of the the money that was ultimately lost as a result of stuff. Anyways, he said, I wrote a thing. So when you cut anything, it's a little bit of a challenge to yourself because you're like, am I not that good? Should I have seen this coming? But every film I've done, I've probably cut the same amount out. When you go into edit, you just never know. A scene on its own could be the most funniest thing or intriguing thing. But sometimes those things, if you keep them in, just will make the movie screech to a halt. So you have to do what's best for the film. Then he went on to say, and if you ask any of those actors who were cut, Jeff Goldblum, Lena Headey, Peter Dinklage, they all understand how it works. They've been in the game long enough, but that's just the way I look at things. Danny, do yeah. you feel like Taika Waititi just needs to be fucking better at his job <laughs> so that he doesn't cut anything? Oh, that's a, I, I, 
I have to say I'm intrigued about these scenes because it's not like they were scenes that were filmed with the, the cast that we saw. They were specific scenes with, with known actors, with known characters. So it is intriguing that that was part of a whole big plan that he had and then just decided to cut them out. Um, but knowing his style and what he does, I'm not surprised that he does shoot a lot of shit more than he actually needs. And I'm kind of happy to hear that he does put the film first. Now, I, you know, I, I'm, I think we know that I'm not a huge fan of the film. But I don't hate it. I enjoyed it for what it you know, kind of tried to do. But so I had a second I'm time. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, uh, <laughs> didn't feel any different afterwards. Didn't hate it any less or more. Um, but I do. I am glad that he did put the film first because he's he's right. I mean, it could have been a great. It would have been fan service kind of thing to see Jeff Goldblum. But if the scene didn't fit and it slowed the whole story down and didn't have much context to what was going on, you, I probably would have felt well that was fun but completely unnecessary. So I like the fact that he's willing to shoot this stuff, and then he's quite ruthless and strict and, and confident with his skills or skills in the editing room to put the film together that he wants to put together. Um, but there was something else to that story about being pressured to cut 30 minutes from the runtime though, right? Yeah. Do you feel that that maybe had something to do with it as well? Or is that just them trying to get a bit of clickbait on that? It's possible. So for those who don't know what he's talking about, there was apparently a mandate from Marvel studios to keep it under two hours or around two hours. Um, it's hard to say. It's hard to say because I'm not sure more runtime would have benefited the movie. I just feel like that movie just needed to be better. <laughs> you know, it was, I didn't feel like, oh man, if it was longer, it really just would have been better. It would have felt more cohesive. It would have felt more serious or would have, it would have felt like it's taking yep. its, its material more seriously. I didn't feel that at all. So it's possible, but I just don't know for sure. Like it's impossible yep. for me to tell at this point. Yeah, longer, longer movie doesn't mean better movie. I'm totally with you on that. And we touched on it last week. I mean, you did a better job of it. But, you know, get concise storytelling. Make that happen. You know, there's no point for the lingering shots and the over-dramatic stuff. Mm. And I think that's we touched on that with the series that we've been watching, both of Star Wars and Marvel, where they could have been shorter, more concise, and made it a more fun viewing time. And, and from a storyteller, which you are a great one with your books and stuff, that makes oh, a lot of sense. So I don't think... I don't think extra 30 minutes would have made it better or worse. I'm totally with you. It just would have been nice to, for it to have been better. Better is better. More is not better. Yeah, better just is. make it better. Just make it better. Come on. Yeah, go back and make it make better. It go and do it again. Do a director's cut. Make it better. Long or short or whatever. Make it better. Make a better version. Yeah. That's about it. But I'm not... Um, I'm, the interesting part of that story, though, Jam, is that I'm not... I'm not that fussed about seeing those deleted scenes on a on a Blu-ray or on a director's cut kind of thing yeah, in the future. Sure. Um, May as well get your money's worth. Be like, hey, check out this this deleted scene from Peter Dinklage. If it's there, you want it because he seems quite adamant that he's not going to put them on a disc, right? From what I read on the article, he's like, no, I'm not even going to put them on a on a on a deleted scenes thing, which kind of like. Well, See, I don't okay, know I'm why fine. you do that. I mean, I, I don't yeah, well, I don't understand the reasoning for it. Like, why not? It's not a part of the movie. Fucking do it. Who cares? But whatever. It's his decision. It's his film, ultimately. And uh, if he doesn't want to do it and Marvel Studios doesn't want it or Marvel Studios doesn't care, like, sure, go ahead. All right. Whatever. It is what it is. Yep. It's a bit weird why they wouldn't do that. But yeah, maybe he doesn't Especially want people to go like, oh, like maybe well, the deleted like, hey, we should have done it. Shit, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we should have put that. I don't think so. Like there are so um, many scenes like that, like uh, like in Last Jedi when people are like, oh, they should have had that extended sheet scene of, of Luke 
mourning the loss of uh, Han and things yeah. like that. They just don't want that input from the peanut gallery is what it comes down to. I'm, of course, making assumptions. I really don't know what sort of motivation they have for it. But anyway. Are we going um, to stick with the Marvel theme and the other rumblings and grumblings behind the we scenes? We are. I mean, this is, a, this is a short one. This is more of just a reiteration. I just want to touch on it because I feel like, honestly, the Taika Waititi stuff does segue more nicely into the bigger story, I think. And that has to do... Um, but regarding that segue, fuck that segue. Let's go ahead and just move <laughs> this quick little touch on it. Well, <laughs> yes, Kyle. Can I help you, Kyle? Were you actually going to help me with that? Were you going to... No, no. I, I, it was I, just, I was around. waiting for... I love I love a good segue. So I was anticipating how you were going to you know, finish that up. And then you're just like, nope, nope, I quit. Okay, just well, here's get my to the next story. I gave you an order an order of stories and i didn't want to go away from it but if you want me to i'll be more than happy oh, to switch I, it up that was probably my fault i probably just messed that oh, up so yeah, yeah. it's oh. it's it's okay go go ahead all right just, just, whatever just, story whatever story you want i I, I could feel this i could feel the sloppiness <laughs> of of thor love and thunder it just felt like a sloppy narrative to me and it all and not just the story itself but when it comes to the visual effects the visual effects to me and this is just my own personal perspective they felt poorly planned because it, it almost felt like because they had to do a lot of improv and stuff they had to decide oh let's do this instead oh let's do that and then i can imagine them coming to marvel or coming to the student be like hey let's add this other visual effect element to it and this leads us to another big story having to do with the uh vfx industry and this comes from an article on the gamer and they pulled some uh, some quotes from Reddit from former and current VFX artists across the industry. Somebody initially said, I am quite frankly sick and tired of working on Marvel shows, Reddit user, uh, whatever, said. Marvel has probably the worst methodology of production and VFX management out there. They can never fix the look for the show before more than half the allocated time for the show is over. The artists working on Marvel shows are definitely not paid equivalent to the amount of work they put in. Others went to chime in saying on Thor, they asked for a complete mini sequence two or three weeks before deadline. Uh, And someone else said, I request not to work on Marvel movies and TV shows. Unfortunately, they're becoming our biggest client. They expect a smorgasbord of options so they can change their mind three or four times. Again, I have no evidence to support any of this other than my my gut, based on the movie and based on what we know about Taika Waititi, but he's very much what seems like the type of person who would change his mind two or three times about something and then have, you know, the effects change it. Of course, like, not necessarily he's a, a bad guy or anything, but he might be like, oh, great idea here, great idea there. And I saw evidence of this in some case, and this may have been a studio mandate for all I know, more than it is the thing from Taika Waititi, but that shot where uh, Jane is super enthusiastic and she's like oh it's my first bad guy and i think we talked about this last week but it you could tell it was not a real helmet it wasn't tracking quite right on her face as she was moving around it was very distracting to me you know obviously not necessarily a big deal if visual effects don't work like if they're okay if they get the point across it's generally fine but that was at least a little bit distracting for me and i do wonder what the purpose like oh we have to put that on her head 
we have to put that helmet on. Like, what is the reason for this? Was it worth it? And how many decisions like this result in disgruntled VFX artists like we're seeing here? Um, and I do want to get puts a little bit more, uh, get a couple more quotes in and then give a little bit more insight into the industry. Um, someone said, I'm on my third project, my Marvel project in a row and literally just woke up at 5.30 a.m. on a Saturday with stress going, I don't want to do this anymore. It's 6 a.m. now. And I am making a reel to apply someplace that has projects other than Marvel because I can't do this anymore. Someone else said, Marvel has seen grown men punch walls and throw monitors from stress. I broke down a couple of times and have seen the strain it can put on marriages. But hey, the, doll, the money was fantastic. Fuck Marvel as a client. The credit name is not fucking worth it. And someone else said, it took me over six months to recover from WandaVision's crunch. It's not worth it. Not when there's better run projects that look just as good out there. Now, I did have some people, uh, some friends that I know from the industry. I reached out to one of them regarding this. I will say they don't have a specific Marvel experience, but they have been in the VFX industry for well over a decade at this point. Um, Let me see if I can find the message there. Um, I asked them specifically about what their thoughts were regarding this. And they just said, I mean, it's ridiculous. Marvel has money and resources to pay artists better and create more realistic deadlines. They just choose to treat everyone terribly. I refuse to work for Disney Marvel. Their contracts are the most intense in the world. Like I would never sign into agreement with Disney. It's suicide. They went on to say that uh, regarding if this is a, a whole industry problem or just Disney Marvel problem. They says, I don't know well enough to speak uh, on that. I think it's mostly just a systemic problem within Marvel and not necessarily necessarily the industry. That's because they have the clout and have a lot of people and a lot of people want to work for them and they know it. Um, he says, however, I'm not straight swayed by status and know better to not fall into that trap. I have experienced it in some way or another on every job. The nature of our industry is to get the best work in the shortest amount of time for the least amount of money. And then that kind of segues into how this industry works. If you don't know how it works, it's pretty much studios say, hey, here is what we're needing in terms of VFX. Here's sort of a breakdown of what we're looking for. Then they put it out there in the world for studios to look at and put bids on it. And you can have the studio say, hey, I can do that for $2 million. Or, and then someone else can go and say, you know what? I could do it for $1 million. And essentially, it's a race to the bottom. There are many studios who legitimately take losses on projects just to keep projects going. And as you may even know, was it 2010 or 2008? Whenever Life of Pi came out, immediately right afterwards, I think it was Rhythm and Hughes was the studio, was the production company that production company, the, the VFX house that won an Oscar and then went bankrupt immediately after that. And that was something that director Angley was trying to uh, bring attention to. And they kind of like played him off the stage in a really awkward thing. So it, it does seem like overall, it is a race to the bottom. And when you're having a race to the bottom, you put yourself in a situation where you have to take advantage of your employees or lose out on contracts and that's just really sad, especially as you have assholes like me going like the visual effects were just not that good because you could see it wasn't tracking on her face just right. And it was very distracting. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe in the grand scheme of things, not a big deal. 
Um, but it is kind of sad to see it. Like we're becoming increasingly uh, picky about what we accept in visual effects. And I just don't know the solution to this. Um, anyway, that's all I have to say. Danny, what are your thoughts about this story? You're, you're on mute, by the way. I did not know that I was on mute for that moment. Um, yeah, I was listening <laughs> to you quite intently. Um, and uh, I, I will say this, that it's uh, sadly, it's not just that industry. Uh, where I live, construction is a massive industry with Dubai growing and growing and growing. And quite often that is exactly the same thing. Companies will tender bids knowing that they will make a loss, but it keeps the money coming in, keeps the cash flow going in. And quite often build quality goes down and they're never then getting extra work in. Um, and the same with my industry, the fitness industry too. You get people looking for the cheapest personal trainer, um, which then lowers the quality and et cetera, et cetera. So it's sad it's not just that industry. But one thing I was, uh, doesn't make it right, it's just that it seems to be part of business. Um, sadly, that's the case. So one thing that I would ask you, though, is that it, with this coming to light now, do you think that maybe there's a, uh, uh, and you just mentioned Ang Lee there, with the, with the, where directors now should maybe take a bit of responsibility. And we, we spoke about Taika, and it's only because it's, we're talking about Thor, with his wanting to shoot different things, allowing for ad lib and all that stuff, which is great. And it makes for great comedy shows like where, uh, what we do in the shadows, et cetera, where there's little to no visual effects. But when you're relying on special effects, even if it's just a green screen behind you, when you keep shooting things differently and different angles of different stuff, it is going to put more pressure on. And you mentioned that that helmet that um, the mighty Thor was wearing. You know, why wasn't she just wearing a helmet? You know, a, a practical or just wearing effects nothing. helmet. Or not wearing anything. Yeah. She could have had well, her could, face. Because I get the feeling, yeah, you know, I get the feeling that the gag about the the helmet changing and bigger and stuff, you know, that little play on things where Thor's um uh mask got a little bit bigger with the wings than hers when he saw that she was wearing one. And maybe that was an ad lib gag. So they they quickly added that onto it when she could have just been wearing a practical effect uh helmet or mask, whatever you call it with some green screen stuff on it to allow the horns or feathers or whatever it were to get bigger. So I guess my point is that maybe directors should think about this and keep their filming a little bit tighter to keep the pressure off the VFX guys, you know, really settle on a scene at least, at least, I mean, obviously there's going to be more than one take, but to, to understand the process that goes into the special effects after they've created those scenes and shot those scenes, Let's go back to those three actors that were, were deleted scenes. I have no doubt that there was some green screen or VFX involved in those shots with Jeff mm -hmm. Goldman, because we think it would have been part of Gods, which means it would have been part of, what was it called, Olympus or, or whatever that place was called. Um, omnipotent was City. Thanks, okay. thanks, Producer Carl. So we, Omnipotent City was pretty much a lot of green screen stuff, right? So if they filmed... That Jeff Goldblum's character there, then there would have been green screen behind, possibly with some actors behind that were um, strange gods, alien gods, fucking dumplings, for God's sake, whatever. So I'm sure there would have been a challenge there, and that may be part of it. So that's a long-winded way of saying that maybe the directors and writers need to take a little bit of responsibility when they're shooting the films and take some I mean, of the pressure off the X artists. From the business side of things, Kyle will know this better than anybody. That is part of the business. You've got to you know, do what you can. But it is sad that people are suffering, that's for sure. 
I, I do think it's a multi-tiered problem. Um, it's directors, yes, maybe should be more. Resp- it's there's pros and cons to everything. Directors not having the flexibility can result in Marvel working with fewer directors coming from an indie background. Maybe uh, YTD wouldn't have been ready to direct Thor Ragnarok if he had to more thoroughly plan out his shots. If he had to more thoroughly plan things and it would have potentially stifled his creativity in the process, potentially resulting in a worse film. However, I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing sometimes in some ways, because having a director who knows what goes into it, plans for it, and makes it out on budget more, that that leads to happier working conditions and less abusive environments. And that's a good thing, but we just have to realize just the downsides that come with it. Um, And higher budgets are one of those things. Is Disney Marvel going to be willing to fork out an extra 20 to 30 million in VFX or time up front to plan for them or potentially getting filmmakers who are upset because they aren't able to do things like they normally do. It's just pros and cons. It's not easy, but ideally in my mind, if you said, Hey, run the studio, I'd be like, all right, you guys, you guys want to make slimmer profit margins. Everyone's going to say no, but I'll be like, all right, well, too bad. We're going to do it anyway. We're going to have higher budgets and a little bit longer uh, times and specifically allowing VFX studios to have that extra time needed in order to execute those last minute shots, because these Marvel movies generally uh, make a good, good margin. Not every franchise is as successful as the MCU. So not everyone can have guaranteed profit margins as high, but at the very least these do somewhat. And I think working on an extra bit of money for either added manpower or extra time is not the worst thing that they could do. Yep. But sure. Probably not realistic. That's idyllic of me and stupid. And I'm not a great businessman. So forces combined, don't listen to what I have to say, but that's just how I'm (laughs) feeling. That is just how I'm feeling. But yeah, as Kyle mentioned uh, in the chat here, you know, this is goes across many industries. Military weapons is another one. And uh, you mentioned manga and anime as well. Can you, yeah, it's the same situation where studios, they put bid on projects for their animation team and, uh, more abusive working conditions it's capitalism folks capitalism and creativity it's just how it works and when it works it works but when it doesn't it, it does not work it works pretty uh, abusively and not so great anyway uh one last thing with regards to marvel not really a story but it's, it's on the list it has to do with the russos and they've reiterated that they could potentially want to come back for secret wars project in the MCU. They meant reiterated this before that they love the story, that they read it a lot growing up, that they might want to come back for that. That's something they'd be open to. So I'm excited for that. I think after Endgame, we haven't had anything nearly on the level of the Russos, I don't think in my head, uh, personally. So I'm ready for them to come back. Yeah, sure. They got a few projects out of their system. Maybe they're ready to hop back in. I'm down. Give it to me, baby. Yep. But I do know they actually they're working on a new project uh, with Millie Bobby Brown, that was announced earlier this week, that is not a news story, 
but is actually one that I would like to see. Let me go ahead and pull that up. I know this isn't uh, on the schedule. Did we touch on that last week. I seem to remember we talked about this last did week. Did we? I'm pretty sure we did. did. Juicer Carl's nodding. He's the, oh, well, fuck me then. No, I think the Duff, we talked uh, the Duffer Brothers stuff, not oh, Russo Brothers. Yeah. I, re- I remember there were some brothers and I remember Millie Bobby Brown, but there you go. But maybe that was just oh, a drunken Oh, well, this is an old story anyway, so never mind then. This is from, uh, they are working on a movie called yeah, Electric the State. Uh, Electric State, and it's based on an adaptation of a novel set in a retro futuristic past where an orphan teenager traverses the American West with a sweet but mysterious robot and an eccentric drifter in search of her younger brother. And that drifter is played by Chris Pratt, I believe. Or he's in talks to play. Um, Anyways, that's all I have to say. Let's talk about some trailers. We got a few trailers dropped this week that are of particular interest to us. Um, Let's start with the biggest one there. And that has, that's an Amazon Prime show, a new big fantasy blockbuster epic. Lord of the oh. Rings, the power. I thought you were going to say the other one. Of the Rings. Which one? <laughs> the Harley Quinn one. <laughs> no. Not, I mean, I love, I love Harley Quinn, but I'm not sure I would call that bigger than Lord of the Rings. No, for sure. I just, uh, sorry, carry on. I'm, I'm jumping the gun with my opinion. So, <laughs> sorry, Jabba. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, Lord of the Rings, the power of the Rings just dropped. What did you think of this trailer that that show that took us to Middle Earth once again? That's the uh, the Rings of Power. Sorry, the Rings of Power. Sorry, the Rings of Power. What did Jamma say? The Power Ring. The Power of the Rings. The Rings of Power. It's a terrible name. It's a terrible name. Too many (laughs) ofs. The Lord of the Rings. The Power of the the Rings of Power. Okay, the Rings of Power. Uh, well, I had to get rings in there somehow. Um, I okay. I I really like the trailer. I, I must admit, I wasn't overly when we first had that teaser. In fact, when we first had the inkling that this was going to be a thing, I wasn't swayed one way or the other. I'm not a huge um, Tolkien fan when it comes to reading of the books. I'm not uh, familiar with all the addendums and stuff that went in, so I have no idea if this is. Uh, I think you're talking about appendices, sir. Oh, thank you. My appendix. No, I've still got my appendices. I haven't had that taken out yet. Although, although my my uh, cirrhosis of my liver is certainly uh, causing me oh, some anguish. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I actually I quite enjoyed this trailer. I it, it's got me intrigued. I don't know. This is why I say I don't know much about the law. I'm not into the the stuff to know it well enough. So for me, it was like that looks interesting. That looks cool. I like the look of that new, should we say, character. Um, Plus, there is obviously uh, visible links with the Lord of the Lord of the Rings stories that we know, the um, Peter Galadriel. Jackson films, etc. Yeah, exactly. But, but also, um, you know, the dwarves are in the mines, the humans are in the fields, the elves are in the forest. That kind of this is all still the same, everybody. But we're just talking about what happened many years beforehand. It looks beautiful. I particularly love the the sweeping shots. I know we talked earlier about lingering shots. Let's keep the storytelling tight, but one of the great things about the films from Peter Jackson was the use of the landscape as part of the film. New Zealand is beautiful. I don't know if they filmed it in the same place, but it looks stunning. It looks beautiful. It does look very theatrical. I'm uh, I'm definitely in, and I look forward to seeing those first couple of episodes for sure. The trailer did a lot to convince me that I'm going to like this. They, they, did, they did film in New Zealand, I will say. Right. Um, yeah. Though they do plan to film... 
the second season in London. I'm not sure if it's going to be all okay. in London or if it's just going to be some in London or what have you. But anyway, so I feel like I wasn't as enthused about this. I will say I agree. It does look pretty beautiful. I do like the sort of similar aesthetic to what Peter Jackson offered. But there are a couple of things I'm not as enthused about. One, there's something about the lighting that feels very kind of generic. And I think it's just sort of like this generic streaming service look that is slightly saturated and very diffused light that it just makes it like, oh yeah, that's a streaming service show. That looks like a streaming service show. I can't uh, verbalize why it makes me feel that way, Um, but something about it just makes it feel a little bit generic, a little less stylized. Not sure what it is, but my biggest problem has to do with just trailers these days. I am sick of fantasy trailers where I don't know what the fuck is happening. What is happening? Yeah. We're just seeing yeah. things. I, I'm not connecting with anything on screen. You're saying generic yeah. trailer talk, and I don't know what the story is about. What's your struggle? What do you want? Why are you struggling? Why should I care yeah. about you? And what sort of journey are we in for? I didn't get any yeah. of that in this. I, don't, I didn't connect emotionally. It was seemed very um, focused on... Here is the world. Here's how pretty list things look. Here's how much yes. money we spent on this yeah. and not as much yeah. on getting me engaged and what the actual story can tell. And I feel like that was also a big problem I had with um, the wheel of time and not just in the trailers, but in the story, I just was oh, not cool. clicking with the story. Um, at the beginning, I think the first, first episode, episode was maybe three episodes, okay. Huh? Yeah, yeah, we're okay. And then it kind of lost me. It lost its main thread. I stopped caring. And it was more like fantasy world. And I was like, yeah. I don't know what's happening right now. I don't care. And that's my biggest yeah. problem with a lot of these adaptations is I don't know why I should care at this point. And it always yeah, takes me go back ahead. to... Go ahead. Sorry, do you think there'll be another... Do you think there'll be a second trailer? And that one may may show us a little bit more of what you're looking for. I mean, that would be your hope, I'm guessing. Because then it's going to rely on so. the first three episodes, right? So you think it's yeah. going to continue. So this is what you want to see, right? You want to see the pretty things with the pretty special effects and the things you you remember from those wonderful films and 20 years ago, whatever it was. You don't think we're going to get anything from a character point of view until the show itself? Yeah, not much. Not enough, I don't think. Because I think they're trying to sell us on, here's all the money we spent. Here's how beautiful things look. And maybe here are some recognizable things that you'll notice from the other trilogy or from the other sure. movies. Um, those are the, the, the money shots, so to speak. Um, and my mind always goes back to when I was in film school, uh, they talked about one of my f- teachers or professors was like, let's talk about why the movie Taken did so well and the movie The International did not. You know, these are two movies that came out, I think, within a week or two of each other. And they had drastic, they were drastically different movies. I guess they were both classified as thrillers. One was a political thriller and one was like just a thriller. And he thinks it had everything to do with um, what he called the primal nature of the movies or the stories. Take in this guy. You you stole my daughter. I'm going to get you. Boom. That's it international was more about like politics and overly convoluted things that you didn't quite understand that audiences don't quite connect with. And I feel like some of these stories are too much into the little nuanced things that aren't attached to human emotion by default. Yeah. 
that are just hard for stupid people like me to cling on to and to really care from moment one. And um, I really hope that I'm wrong about this show, but that is a concern that I have. And that's generally a concern I have with a lot of fantasy properties in general. It reminds me also of like the Dark Crystal series that came out on Netflix. I felt I could not follow that. I got so bored. Um, I didn't get past episode three. I could. I no, gave you not, three seasons. I don't hear you, raw. Danny. Hang on, I'm it might not, be my. You, I could hear. I can hear Danny. Danny, can you hear me? Hang on. I can. Okay. Yeah. It's jammer. just jammer. He's jammer's just ignoring me. That's obviously what it is. It's, it's me. Thing. Sorry. Go ahead. Him. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't get past three episodes. I gave uh, Lord, uh, Lord of the Rings. I gave Dark Crystal the three episode rule, and I really struggled with it. I, I'm. I, I totally agree. I struggle when they don't help make me connect with what's going on with the characters, no matter how pretty things look and no matter how familiar they look from a world point of view. If I can't connect with them, I don't care. I switch off. Yeah. I got to ask this, this jammer for you. Uh, You a few years ago on Los Fanboys talked about the upcoming golden age of fantasy tv and here here we are with finally getting multiple shows from his dark materials uh, a couple of years ago all the way through wheel of time and and amazon how are you feeling about this golden age of fantasy television it's eh. um it's okay not quite golden honestly the shows are honestly a lot more spread out than they thought they would be they're not releasing it's seeming quick it's quick succession as much as they used to like the witcher came out originally what three years ago at this point two years ago a while ago the first season um and wheel of time came out a few months ago so everything is just a lot more space than i anticipated so yeah uh not as golden as 2019 for the witcher so yeah that was three years ago almost yeah december 2019 and frankly i haven't watched season two yet so yeah, not super enthused. I haven't been super enthused about many of these shows, unfortunately. His Dark Materials was great, but also I think it's very niche. Like the more I was watching it and like thinking about it, I was like, oh, this is a very, very, very niche property. I really enjoy it, but I can understand why others don't. I can't hear you. Is that just me? No one's talking. Oh, Kyle was talking. And Okay. How was he? Yeah, he was. Anyways. Um, so yeah, what are your thoughts on on any of that? Do you think we're in the golden age of fantasy, Danny? Because I foretold, I foresaw probably back you in foresaw 20, this. 2017. No, I didn't foresee this. I foresaw it being more golden than it is. Um, I, do think- I don't think we're quite in the golden age yet. I think we're trying. There's lots of people that are trying. There's lots of studios and production companies and streaming services that are trying. Um, but they're also still hammering away at the, the sci-fi stuff too. Um, I mean, it's not quite there yet. It's not, I don't think it's quite the golden age. Maybe the bronze age. Maybe we're going into copper. Just wait. Uh, we're just about. Yeah. Just wait for the first Brandon Sanderson property to get adapted. I guarantee you. Well, I guarantee you. Who? Bold statement. Once one <laughs> of those is a huge success, it's going to be like, oh, this is what people want. Because I know his stories are really good about capturing the the character of the story more than anything else. Yeah, the worlds are big and stuff and good, but like the characters are really fantastic as well. And they bring sure. a very uh, personal touch to the fantasy genre, personal and more relatable touch to the fantasy genre that I sure. think is important that would translate well to TV and film. 
But that's a question for our listener and our viewer, right? How do they feel about where the golden age of fantasy is at the moment? Are we even, in fact, in the golden age yet? I don't think we are, but I'm happy happy that we have an age of fantasy that is with us at the moment, and we're getting shows like The Witcher and The Wheel of Time. Hit and miss some of them, not particularly those two, but hit and miss some of them. But the fact that they're getting greenlit and we're seeing this stuff is, is great. And hopefully Lord of the Rings, this or Power of the Ring or Lord of the Powerful Ring or whatever it's called, Rings of continues power. to push us. To, that, that's that's what I said. Something like that in amongst all the other words. Hopefully this will drive it forwards. Maybe this is the series that pushes us closer to the golden age. Let's wait and see. Let's wait and see. But in the meantime, we'll make sure that we're indulged with such fan- fantastic and fascinating stories like the upcoming Monsters movie that comes from us, from the lovely, intellectual Robert Zombie, who is... Uh, no his mother calls it. Robert, Robert Zombie. Robert, Robert? Roberto Zombie. Stop um, making those awful noises, Robert. To bed, Robert. And uh, yeah, so he is known for House of a Thousand Corpses, The Devil's Rejects, the Halloween reboot, not the recent one, but the one before that. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, this is a movie that's happening. Um, the well, it's a movie. I thought it was a series. It's a movie and oh. is a movie yeah. and is based on The Monsters, which is this old horror themed sitcom from, I believe, the 60s or 70s or whatever it was. And it was cute. It was fun. I actually watched it quite a bit growing up. It's it has this big Frankenstein's monster type guy. It has you know a Dracula type guy. It has this Elvira type woman, and it's just and the wolf child and other characters. It's just a sitcom with sort of a spooky sort of skin over it, and it was surprisingly good. It's from 1964 is when it started. Kyle said so. Thank you, Kyle. But yeah, and now they decided to reboot it as a, as a movie from Rob Zombie. And I remember thinking, that's interesting choice. So what are they going to do with this? Are they going to, are they going to turn it into something more gory or is he actually stretching himself as a filmmaker and putting something a little more kid friendly? Um, this trailer that just dropped earlier this week. I don't know still. I still <laughs> don't know what I was going to say exactly the same thing. The answer to your previous question was neither of those things. It's neither super adult gory nor is it aimed at the kiddies it's not castle transylvania or whatever it's called it's very yeah. odd it's very weird odd. i'm not convinced i'm not convinced this is actually the movie i don't know if this is the movie because well i thought it was a series because if that was a movie i felt like i watched the whole thing okay go on <laughs> well it just seemed like okay so Herman Munster's created the Elvira woman, as you called her, wants a husband. She gets a husband, then they have a few adventures, and then everyone seems to live happily ever after. And I got that was the feeling of the whole trailer. So that actually was the movie. That's why I genuinely thought it was a series. It felt to me like they're just showing scenes from different different episodes of the of the series. I, I mean, it. I didn't get what it was going. I didn't laugh, but nor was I scared. Although I could see that there were scenes from all of that that could be scary for kids or that were meant to be funny. Uh, I'm getting a very odd um, feeling from this trailer. I will say this though: I'm not a huge Rob Zombie fan from his films. I love some of his music though. I own about four or five of the albums he's done. If that makes any difference, because I'm a great fan of that electro electronic uh, metal that he used to make. But as a movie maker, 
not that much of a fan. And I genuinely thought this was a series. I have to go back and watch the trailer again. <laughs> it doesn't help it. It doesn't help it. You know, here, Kyle. So I'm sorry I had to address Kyle here. I saw his I'll reaction call, yeah. on Cup mm-hmm. of Genre with Manny. You guys are fucking high. This is <laughs> awful. Sorry. I even said. So first of all, it doesn't look. Yes, I could tell this is intentional in some way. But it wasn't even like endearing bad. It was it, it felt kind of like you know how Rob like Jane Silent Bob reboot just mm-hmm. had really bad filmmaking and really bad audio. Yes. It just felt like a uh, a student production. This felt like a student production. Like, uh, why would you go for that? What what are you gaining from that? And more than that, what are you what are you gaining when you spend, according to a report, thirty to forty million dollars on a movie that looks and sounds mm-hmm. like that? I wow. I don't I don't know what he I don't know what he's thinking. I said in the in my reaction and on the Daily Cup of Genre I said I don't think general audiences are going to get this. And then I even said I don't think people that are fans of the original show are necessarily going to be getting this. It almost seems more less uh it almost seems less about the the monsters themselves as it does about that like era and feeling because if you if you look at it it's very 60s television ish of course it's in color uh which some show, shows were some weren't but this oozes uh uh adam west batman all over the place from the, it from the colors though. it doesn't though yes it's... it does i think people i think people have too much nostalgia for certain things that are that are the actual source material versus seeing it being redone or re- remade or or whatever the case may be the monsters is the Adams family was better to me, and and honestly, I yeah, thought this too. I thought this was going to be more like the Adams uh, Adams family movies. That's what I thought they were going to do, but they didn't. And it looks like they're using different uh, film styles that might even go with decades. There's there's something that looks very very nineties to two thousand sitcommy, and then there's stuff that looks nineteen sixty four, you know, ish, and it's it's weird. I I'm down yeah. to see what he does does with it though. Well, here's my question: Do you think this is actually the movie? Yes, I do. You do think this is? Actually, I think it's. Like, I think that's movie, what we're, we're gonna, gonna get. get. We're I gonna get that's... a movie that feels like this. Yes, I I do. Because I'm I'm hoping and half expecting a, what's it called a, an Indiana Jones swipe and replace on uh, us, and it's gonna be something uh, completely different. Because I almost feel like him going like, hey, let's fuck with people. And spend like a hundred thousand dollars shooting a fake trailer, and then it looks like it was made for a hundred thousand. I don't know because the the initial te- teaser where all they did was redo the the show's intro, the music, you know, them coming through through the door, the hole in the door made by made by Herman. Like they they already did that as like a teaser makeup, you know, show off the the characters uh, weeks or month or so. And that looked so way better. That looked way better that, than the And rest that's of the what trailer. I'm saying. I think there's going to be multiple. If you go go back and watch the trailer, and I'm not just talking like the black and white scene, but you can clearly see there's different, for lack of a better word, there's different texture to the scenes, yeah. different texture to the film filming style, to where it feels like they're going to be maybe even making it feel like a. God, do you remember the Brady Bunch movie where they took episodes and and made a movie script out of it, basically? Some Something like that, but it might go through like decades where they're starting back in the 60s in the 70s the 80s the night and it might it might be like a love letter to sitcoms and in that sense but i i think that's what you're you're seeing what you're gonna get 
You heard it here. I first. think you. Well, I think you may have touched on a division. I think you. Might, I think Carl may have touched on a point there that with those those different styles that maybe this movie does track this family, for want of a better word, through some sort of through some sort of time zones over the decades. Because I, I remember one scene as you were talking there where um, Herman Munster scares the woman that's clearly dressed like a witch. And that that whole scene, the way it was shot and how it looks, looks modern. That looks like now kind of thing. So maybe that's the story of the film. It, it's them, because all of the characters are the undead, basically, right? They're not, they're going to be immortal, for want of a better word, going through. So maybe that's how it tracks. But I can't help but feel it looked like the making of the monsters. Like, we're going to see a camera pan out, and that was them acting in the show. Hence the really terrible-looking scenery and stuff like that. And it was just, it's very odd. I might just watch it simply to be out of morbid curiosity because I wasn't a huge fan of the show, but I do remember enjoying it as a kid. But I, like you, Carl, preferred the Adams Family. But I have morbid curiosity about this now, Jammer, simply because it did look so weird, odd and bad. And I don't mean awful. I just look bad, badly made thing. Maybe that's what they're going for. I will watch it purely, like I said, out of curiosity, but no love at yet. It's odd. <laughs> I mean, it's maybe odd. you'll end up loving it. <laughs> well, more than Thor, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, probably not. Let's be real. Thor. Like, I. I don't dislike Thor by any stretch. I thought Thor was a perfectly fine movie. It was just but, not great. It. it was. Yeah. It was just above average in my mind. When um, is this movie dropping? Then when? When? When is this out? When? What have we got? Uh, sep- September. September this year. I think it's like September twenty second. I think it's coming on Peacock, what, it, if I'm not mistaken. I was just going to ask what platform. I I'll, don't think I'll double I check. get that platform, so uh, we'll find yeah, a way. Yeah, fairly confident speak. I mean, at the very least, I didn't think we'd be able to talk this long about that fucking trailer, but we have, so <laughs> it does have me interested the more we're talking about it. Kyle's comments yeah. may be going like, well, maybe. Maybe he's right. Maybe, maybe yeah, this will exactly, be something yeah. interesting to at least take a look at. So, But it's so bad. Like, you're right. I didn't laugh <laughs> at a single moment in the trailer. Um, at all and i was like i'm supposed to be at least kind of laughing or at least it makes it look like and there was that one moment where i don't know if this creature has a name i don't remember from the show where the 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 lady says something and he's just like okay it's just really weird i don't know i don't know and then the weird like whoa fall at the very end yeah i just don't get it I did laugh more in the, I hope to be the next trailer that we're going to touch on, Gamma. Well, let's talk about that. You know, we'll transition from a really crappy trailer to a really great looking trailer for Harley Quinn, the hit HBO Max, formerly DC Universe animated series starring starring Kaylee Cuoco, among many others. And uh, it shows that this season is going to be revolving a lot around Harley Quinn and uh, Poison Ivy, who finally got together at the end of season two. We're going to see their relationship kind of blossom and continue. And I don't know what else, but it looks like a lot of fun. It looks like it could be great. It looks like we're continuing to see even the Joker evolve. He's gone through a whole lot, you know, in the past couple of seasons between dying and then actually not dying and then going through. I forgot this whole subplot having to do with him thinking he was good and then ending up going bad again. It looks like he's trying to still figuring shit out on his end, but it's all super exciting, super fun, super funny. I can't have enough of it. What did you think, Danny? 
Yeah, and here's the, I'm, I'm sitting there listening to you going, oh, spoilers, well, spoiler alert, because I haven't had a chance to watch them yet. We don't get this show where I am, and I don't want to get it in. Uh, I am various... so sorry. I thought you've watched no, it No, don't, don't, because it's, it's, it is what it is. And obviously, I picked up on the fact that, obviously, Harley and Ivy are together in this one, because that's how the trailer starts. It's not a problem with the spoilers at all. But what this trailer has done is maybe think, you know what, I really have to go and watch those two seasons somehow before this one drops, which I think drops at the end of the month. Uh, yeah. oh, sorry, end of August, maybe, or something like that. It looks super fun. You guys have always, you and Jonesy and Nick have always said how great the show is. I've always loved her as a character. It sounds like they've done her justice during this, with this, with this show. I'm super excited to watch it because it is super funny. I love the characters that are in it. There's a couple of great gags, especially, I can't remember the exact lines, but one of the guys goes, this is what's technically known as her losing her shit. And I just love those little lines like that. And so I'm, I'm stoked by the fact that this makes me want to watch series one and series two as soon as I can somehow before this one drops, because it, it looks great. Now I actually see why you guys love it so much. So it, this is great. One of my favorite characters is Clayface, who he likes to consider himself an actor, like a thespian in the highest yeah. way. And I just love how pretentious the lines he has. And there was this one line, yeah. it's not really even a joke the way it's written, but just the way he says it is funny. He's like, oh, it's Lady Gaga. Like the way he says it. All, like, <laughs> Adding theatrics to it, yeah. <laughs> right, it's, it's really funny. Yeah. So many good yeah, characters, good. I see so many things. Like I can't say enough yeah, positive. I see Batman's about. in it as well. I love the little, him with Nightwing and they're, uh, they're comparing the way they seriously deliver their lines, etc. Little gags like that, just great. Um, I'm all for it. I'm 100% in. I've got to find a way to watch it though somehow before this drops. And what I love more about the show is that the gags are great. It's fun, but it also is a continuing narrative where it evolves the characters. It evolves the stories. It gets you to care about them. So it's not just, it's not just gags, you know, Good. it's, Good. it's, it's just, it has great substance to it. Not like in a serious way, but like in a, in a way that just feels that's, um, that, that just makes you care. And it's just, it's very just solid all around storytelling and character good. work yeah. so no, that's good because obviously i can't comment on it. i haven't seen the other two but you guys have always uh, praised it and 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 now i can kind of see why now i've watched this trailer so i'm uh, yeah i'm in i'm in 100 super excited about this the tra- the the news of the day was this one i think when when this was a trailer we had to watch i was happy have you so wait is this the first trailer that you've actually seen of the show yeah oh wow really so you haven't yeah. seen anything up to this point no, because you guys always said how great the show was. So I'm like, okay, I don't need to like go on YouTube and watch a trailer. I tr- trust your judgment on stuff like this. So it was a question of now just trying to find a way of watching it that is um, legit, should we say. So it's a bit of a challenge because it's on um, HBO Max, right? Now we get some HBO Max shows via a streaming service that we have here, but they're selective. Like we had like the Justice League movies, but we don't get all of the series. We don't get all of the shows just some of the movies and some of the more popular shows. Now I know um, Poison Ivy, I know Harvey Quinn, Harvey Quinn, Harley Quinn's show has been popular, but with it being more adult orientated, it's not necessarily one that the streaming service here has paid for or brought across. So anyway, maybe this will be the one that that, that jumps them over. We'll see. Hey, uh, Danny, I'm looking at amazon.com and what, what appears to be a legit Blu-ray of both seasons one and and two oh, on sweet. Amazon, yeah. Okay. 
it does look it does look, look legit. This this does sign. not look like a Im- import anime from the early two thousands. <laughs> <laughs> I will look at that then because I have no problem about having a couple of those. Um, so that's awesome. So and we obviously get we can get Amazon and it will be delivered before season three drops, which is even better, especially with Amazon Day coming up soon or Prime Day or whatever it's called. Get it, get it, get it. Yeah, that that was yesterday and the day before. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> Well, I'm a day ahead of you, so that was even that makes it three days ago. God damn it. <laughs> all right. Well, that is all we have in terms of news. So now is yeah. the time, and we don't have a whole lot of time, but have you been watching? We're time for Who Watches the Watchers, where we discuss things that we have been imbibing with our eyes over the past week or so. Danny, what have you been taking in? Well, not not much of note other than um, because work has been dragging in, but I have watched the first episode of The Terminal List on Amazon Prime mm. um, with, um, and now his name escaped me, Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. Here you go. Um, and so far, and it's only one episode in, I, I actually am quite intrigued by it. I, the, the trailer had me. It was like, okay, this is going to be interesting. It's a series. Uh, it looked a little bit generic with the whole um, SEAL team gets wiped out. They're going to pin it on him kind of stuff. But the way it's gone with episode one, um, and particularly with the way Chris Pratt is playing this character that is suffering from some sort of PTSD, or is it a drug-induced, or is it a big fake-out? It's it's very intriguing how they're making this this guy, putting him through the ringer, both physically and mentally. Um, I won't give you any spoilers um, in case you haven't watched the show, but they do punish him quite quite well. They do make him suffer, and I'm very keen to see how this moves on. Um, but I've only one episode in. And from a movie point of view, and I know that uh, Jonesy and I have completely disagreed on this, Pause of Fury. I watched that yesterday. <laughs> no, you liked it? I did. I really enjoyed it. And I don't, I think I, I watched it with, with, with a load of kids. Obviously we took the girls and they were laughing in the scenes that I was laughing at more because of the memories that this brings back of the blazing saddles movie, but watching it and hearing it through their eyes, so to speak, and the way that they were laughing at the gags, I think I was caught up in that kind of emotion for it too. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great fun. I thought it was a nice little palate cleanser from, some of the disappointing films I have seen recently on the big screen. Um, and and I, I, I quite enjoyed it. I mean, I know there's some, it's been a bit divisive, but I enjoyed it. But I think watching it with kids and seeing it through their eyes uh, made it for me. I think that made me less look at it through a less serious lens and more just, you know what, I'm just going to enjoy it as a kid. And that was quite funny. That was quite funny. That was quite funny all the way through. The only downside for me, and it's a small negative, was that I don't think Ricky Gervais, his voice, over the main bad guy really worked it it, mm. it almost felt forced um i didn't enjoy that so much i couldn't help i was trying to think of whose voice could have done a better job and i couldn't quite pinpoint it but other than that for me the movie worked well i thought it was tight i think it's it's referential humor was quite good um so i enjoyed it but not all of us have um so that's been quite good fun as always but it's nice to disagree occasionally it's good stuff it is it is. And yeah. I know Jonesy, I'm bringing up his comment on Twitter. He says, if you felt inclined to take your kiddos to see Pause of Fury, don't. It's awful. Gervais is in a different movie. Sarah is boring and Jackson's charisma can't have a wa- can't save a watered down Blazing Saddles. Who the fuck thought it was a good <laughs> idea to make Blazing Saddles for nine-year-olds? Thumbs down. And then he has a, a gif of uh, Macaulay Culkin going woof from Home Alone. 
and putting them <laughs> back on. But see, there's the thing, right? All the kids that I watched it with have no idea what Blazing Saddles is. So for them, it was just a fart gag involving flames and, and a big fat guy riding a small horse into town, that kind of stuff. So for them, it was all just funny. I can see if you're if you're a Blazing Saddles fan and you're looking at it through those, I can see how it wasn't funny, but kids don't have no idea that that movie is made. In fact, I'm not even sure at some what point I would even show that film to kids because there's certain stuff in that movie that I, uh, maybe, maybe not now. Me personally, don't care. It was a film of its time uh, and we've moved on from that time, obviously. But uh, yeah, they, the kids watched it. They didn't have a clue it was about Blazing Saddles. To them, it was just a few fart gags and some funny one-liners and stuff like that. So maybe don't take your kids. Let the kids go on their own then, you miserable bastard Jonesy. <laughs> he already paid that heavy price can, um, can i ask you guys something real quick sure why why does no one mention hong kong fooey for this because as soon as i saw the poster i thought that that's what this was going to be and then i saw the title yeah. and i'm like that's that's the wrong dog and not the right title but i don't hear any does no one remember that no, anymore? I mean, no one who cares. I love Hong it. Kong Fu, but here's the thing: he he was Kung Fu. This guy's a yeah. samurai. Carlos, oh, completely different thing. Absolutely yeah, completely got different it. thing. Come oh, on, Kyle. <sighs> Come on, Carl. <laughs> How speciesist and racist of me at the same time somehow. <laughs> You're just assuming all Asian dogs know Kung Fu. That's so racist, Carl. <laughs> um, so I mean, for me. Yeah, it, Personally, like, yeah, look, looking, looking at the trailer, I didn't see it. Looking at the trailer for me, I was just like, whew, that's a that's like B or C tier animation animated movie I don't want to see. That's what I remember seeing. Meanwhile, for yeah. me, I'm thinking to myself, my eyes are, are looking towards Netflix because I think the Sea Beast just came out recently. And I think that looks pretty good. Um, let's see here, Sea Beast Netflix. I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard good things. It stars Carl Urban. And what's the reason in my head why I'm looking forward to it? Hang tight for a second. It is loading. Uh, it's from Netflix, Sony Imageworks. Why am I looking forward to this movie? I don't know why. Something about it I wanted to see. I felt like there was some talent associated with it that I really liked. And who's Chris Williams? I don't know who the hell that is. Notable Works, Bolt. Bolt. I liked Bolt. Did you guys like Bolt? <laughs> Bolt was good. So maybe that's why. I was like, oh, I haven't seen him. Do- oh, he also did Moana. What the hell did he do in Moana? Did he do Moana? He was a co-director on Moana. That's why. So well, Moana is- Jam is talking to himself right now. You're like a, a little a personal little monologue to yourself there about what you're fighting. <laughs> so he, he was a co-director on Moana and he directed Big Hero 6 and Bolt. So he is bona fide Disney talent directing for Netflix. I think that's why I was attracted to the project. And apparently it's pretty good from what I understand or from what I've heard. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to check it out this weekend instead of Pause of Fury because gotcha. I don't see myself going to theaters to see it. But I do have one thing to share. And I know it's a movie that you were not too keen on. I didn't Nobody listen knows. to the episode. So I don't know why. My you question watch is... You didn't go and watch no, Moonfall, did you? I did oh, not. So what didn't you like about The Lost City? Just, just tell me your opinions of it and we'll close the show down. Go on. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was okay. I thought it was pretty fun. I thought it was very clearly doing sort of a romancing the stone thing. It was entertaining. I thought it was engaging for most of it. 
I thought the second half was weaker than the first half because it kind of dragged out and maybe started to take itself too seriously, it felt like. But overall, it was still a fun time. It was cute. I had a good time. And I'd probably give it like a, a B minus for C plus. But what, what problems did you have? What, what, what's your deal? We're close to 90 minutes now, Cole. Make him shut it down, can you? Make, pull, pull producer rank, Cole, and tell Jammer to just wrap this up. I don't want to talk about that film. I don't, I don't want to talk about that film. I don't want to talk about Moonfall anymore. I've got to go to bed. I don't want to go to bed stressed. I want to go to bed happy. Oh, this is like mentioning Sony. This is like mentioning Sony to me, Jammer. You, you just don't you don't bring this up to Danny. Don't bring it up to Danny. It's a difference though, because I feel like Sony sets you off and then this shuts him down. So it's almost the exact yeah. opposite. But uh okay, fine. But we it, won't talk it, about Lost City. Won't talk about Lost yeah. City. I will talk I'm about I'm glad you had a good time. I'm happy my friend enjoyed it 90 minutes at the movies. Good for you, Jammer. And Mrs. Jammer, whoever you went with. I uh I didn't go with anyone, it was just uh, available on on streaming. Good. But, you didn't uh, give you didn't give those studio any more money. Anyway, that's a lie. I did. I, I bought it. So it was actually for rental for $5.99 or for purchase for $6.99. So I was like, <laughs> okay, I'll buy it. Why not? Just, just buy it. it. You know, I'll fall into that trap. So now it's there for us if we ever want it. And you know, I'll watch it again. Sure, why not? Um yeah. But I did also watch the first four episodes of season two of Only Murders in the Building, and it continues to be absolutely delightful. So if you love the first season, I think the second season is stronger, to be honest. Um, I think they're doing better work with the characters, um, a little bit more standalone in nature. Obviously, it contributes to the main plot, but I feel like each episode accomplishes one specific thing better than the previous season's episodes did. And yeah, the murder mystery intrigues. So I am continually in for this story and uh i'm ready to see more that's it only murders in the building yeah, no, I, yeah i'm not familiar with the show but we, you guys have talked about that before so it is on the list and it has been bumped up the list of things to watch thanks to you guys so if season two is living up to what you guys said was a great season one then i'll definitely I'll definitely check it out that's cool. i didn't know i didn't know i was a selena gomez fan i'm not gonna lie at all like, cause I had not really been exposed to anything she's done. I knew she was in Disney. I knew she was a singer, didn't know anything literally until a, you know, COVID hit. And then she had the Selena and chef show that she does on HBO. That's a fun little show to watch if you like cooking shows. And then this one. So between those two projects, between HBO and Hulu, like, all right, I'm a Selena Gomez fan now. I'll take it. Good job, Selena Gomez. Thanks, Selena. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all. That's all she wrote on this episode of Breaking Geek Radio, the podcast. Thank you so much, everyone here for listening. And don't forget, this show is not the only show on the Genreverse Podcast is Network. It not? It's are there not. other shows? There are what other are those shows. Other shows? What we are those other shows, Jammer? Daily Cup of Genre. We have Marvel Multiverse Mayhem. We have Anime Versal Reviews. Oh yeah. What's that? I, I gave it a hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, and then we have, oh, I feel like I always forget one. The Cantina. The Cantina. The Star Wars show on this network. Check out all of our stuff across your various different podcast apps. We're available on all of them, I think. Uh, but also check us out on YouTube because we're also available in video form on here. If you haven't, if you're not looking at us right now, Go to YouTube and watch the entire episode again, except look at us as we're doing it. And you'll, you'll get a much better experience if you do that. Um, and of course, rate us, 
on all of those podcast platforms, not just one of them, all of them, one at a time. Give us five stars across the board. And then make sure to come down to the comments on YouTube and ask us a little question. And maybe you'll get a little bit of engagement back from us because frankly, we have nothing better to do with our time. But Danny, where can people find you? You're going to find me in bed. It's very late here, so you can come find me in bed. Although I am going to do a set of push-ups before I go to bed to get the taste of the lost city out of my mind again. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, fucking Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum. <laughs> <laughs> There's your soundbite clip right there, Carl. Jammer doing that sound. Fucking Sandra Bullock like that. Interesting choice of words and, and movement you did there, Jammer. It was doing push-up <laughs> movement. Don't be crazy. Don't be weird. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Please like and subscribe and Jamma, take us out of here, my friend. You can find me on Twitter at JamTheWriter and all of my books under the name AJ Cerna on Amazon and Audible. And just released a new book via my own platform. You can go to MagiaBooks.com. That's M-A-G-I-A Books.com. And you can see my book City of Mages there. Click that. Make sure you and have... And Mrs. Jamma. What's that? Don't forget Mrs. Jamma's involved in that too. Yeah, she's involved, but she doesn't matter. I'm, try- I'm trying to make a sale, Danny. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then you go to May. Uh, you, you when you exit out of there when you're checking out, mage dash launch dash discount code to save five dollars on your sale. So be sure to do that. It's ebook right now, but there are other formats to come. And that's all she wrote here on this episode of Breaking Geek Radio, the podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you all next time. Goodbye. Redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.